0: episode of scars and lemonade
1: third episode
0: yeah third like kind of fourth if you count the like intro episode zero
1: see look at you good with numbers good with numbers what i've liked so far about these episodes and we can see it in hindsight but this was completely unplanned originally it's like Mm -hmm. they've all had this weird crazy connection point that's bound them like all together in like some way okay so we went from sarah and then into myrna And they had that kind of like cancer connection. And then Myrna had like a parenting aspect of it and caregiver aspect Mm, of it, mm -hmm. which flows into our amazing guest for this episode, who kind of had that parenting connection and then takes it in her own different way and tells her own story, which is very different actually from some of the ones that we've heard so far.
0: Yes, that's very true. Although I'm still even thinking about the Myrna episode and... Because when you said the word bound, it made me think of boundaries and how just from listening to her episode, like boundaries is something that I'm constantly working on. And I find it's like, a constant process because you can put your boundaries up, but then you have to constantly figure out, you know, a boundary shift and enforcing them and who you need, like, you know, you need to enforce different boundaries with different people. And so I've just been thinking about that a lot since we had our conversation with Myrna and also just the power of saying no. So that's something that still resonated with me. It was one of my takeaways from that episode and then continuing to take it away with me.
1: The last two episodes, especially from the Myrna into this one, just hit me right in my emotions. It was like my emotions were taking me over. Uh. Lost in sorrow, lost in the song. It was impactful, those two episodes. And I think this one kind of continues that energy
2: Mm -hmm. from
1: the Myrna episode. And what I loved about this episode was it continues that energy and... The peaks and valleys on this episode are just incredible to listen back to as mm-hmm. I remember recording it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't quite catch some of the nuances of it, but we get deep into some trying places. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's so much energy and so much fun in it as well as our our guest today really, really kind of defined so far for me that whole scars to lemonade journey especially because of how how early her story starts in her life, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, we get like a real life story here. Our guest, she's led nine lives. There's a lot to every piece that she shared. And before we jump into that, I just want to take a second to give a content warning. So there is mention of childhood sexual and physical abuse as well as suicidal ideation and briefly mentioning the loss of a child. So please keep that in mind as you listen and we want you to listen to this episode. There's a lot to get out of it, but also take care of yourself. And if any of those topics are too hard for you to broach, then feel free to skip this one and go on to the next one. But if you are able to um, dig in and listen, this is definitely a scars to lemonade journey.
1: And there's a lot of fun in there and a lot of positivity. Like Abby said, if you need to take a break from the episode or skip this episode, do that. And once again, if you feel like there's someone that would benefit from this potential conversation that we're about to have here with our very special guests, please share that.
0: Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Scars and Lemonade. We are back with another amazing, incredible, inspiring, talented, intelligent guest. Today, we are speaking with the, I'm going to go ahead and say legendary, Fatima (laughs) Oliver, who has led many lives and always manages to find her way back into the sunshine. She takes her scars and turns them into lemonade. So we are really happy to be chatting with author, inspirational speaker, and coach Fatima Oliver. Thanks for joining us
3: oh i'm cheesing (laughs) so sweet thank you thank you for having me we're
0: thrilled to have you
1: well before we get too far just a little known fact about uh fatima here is in the early 1990s fatima used to be a cartoon reviewer so fatima could you just tell us one of your favorite animated cartoons uh, of all time here
3: oh my um family circus nice
1: There you go. She rolled with it too. That is
3: not true at all. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, I was like, I know I said she led many lives,
0: but I don't remember reading that anywhere. That was
3: smooth. That was smooth. No, not
0: at all. I felt. I used to read
3: it all the time in the
0: newspaper. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I remember reading that in the comic strips. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Very good, Patrick. Very good.
0: good. I love how you just rolled with that, Fatima.
3: That was
1: smooth.
0: (laughs) All right, so we are going to play a game called Lemon Seeds. And with this game, we pull up the wonderful random dot com. And the first word that appears there will be your word that you're going to try to work into the conversation at least three times. Oh, wow. So don't tell us what your word is. We won't tell you what our words are. We'll be playing with you. And at the okay. end, we'll try to guess what each other's words are. OK, if you get a word like the or to or at, please choose another because we will never be able to guess that. <laughs> so I guess basically, yeah, just keep going through random word generator until you get a word that you think you can use. But that isn't going to be very, very normal and mundane that we would never be able to figure out.
1: There you go. Yeah. Nothing too, too easy or simple. And no pressure, but no one has ever gotten any of these words uh, correctly. Yet. Yeah, so there's literally no pressure. The bar is very low.
0: <laughs> and often I forget that we're playing until halfway through, and then I have to jam all my words in at the end. <laughs> all right, I've okay. got my word. Fatima, do you have yours? Yeah, I guess so. And Patrick, do you have your word? I sure do. Hey. Okay. This is a bit of a big one. Your childhood created a lot of scars physically, emotionally, and mentally. You've also experienced some trauma as an adult. And the fact that you're here talking to us is just a huge testament to your resilience and something that we hope to learn from. So in your latest book, The Prescription is in the Dirt, Rising Through the Pain, you talk about the struggles and challenges you've encountered and how you're able to rise to turn your scars into lemonade. So can you please share with us a little bit about your story?
3: Peace. Yeah, so... So much there. Um, (laughs) So, um, I did grow up the only girl out of five brothers, and I actually have four boys. So, I am definitely rough (laughs) around the edges, to say the least. Um, I am a constant type of person that will. Uh, my husband, he basically says, you don't, you just don't know what to say, do you? And so that's kind of how that that's kind of how I am. And um, and those are the type of people that I grew up around. I, I it was it was constant for me to be around um, strong women who um, a lot of times they were single parents and they leaned on each other. It was one of those. Um, what is it? it? Takes a village type of mm-hmm. type of community. But there was also a lot of. Um, anger and frustration and rage that was also a part of that community. And I've been a single mother before, so I, I understand now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, it 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 was tough growing up in a space where uh, my mom was raising boys, and she was tough, and she was very. Um, vigilant and, and there was no room for emotion yet. I was an emotional person. <laughs> and so, um, I, we definitely didn't have space for our emotions to be cultivated or to even have those type of discussions. Uh, y- you know, and in, in our culture, in the black community, not all the time is that welcomed anyway, if anything, we're told to be strong. Right. And, and to just have this serious, constant exterior, um, and insane that um at the age of two, I had an accident where I was burned on twenty five percent of my body. and um, as a as a youth, I was sexually assaulted by a stepfather, and I was physically abused. me and my older brother were physically abused by another stepfather. And so there were some tragic things that occurred in my life, but because I had no emotional uh, space to be able to process, I really grew up and became an adult that just lived in survival mode. You mm-hmm. know, it's like from what I could remember as a child, I was, I was, you know, it was, a, it was a constant space of trying to survive. So then when I grew up and, and was found myself in situations, being able to learn to express myself and being able to learn how to do it in a healthy way was mm-hmm. so foreign to me. You know, it was a lot of screaming and rage and, and anger and sorrow that followed me everywhere I went, and and the decisions that I made as far as who I dated, and the decisions I made in regards to just relate, uh, just family, uh, friendships and um, business relationships—they all steered from such horrible pain that I experienced as a youth, and 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 just also just growing up, you know, in the world where uh, it's not favorable for young black women.
1: Mm. Fair enough. So at what age would you say that that kind of clicked for you and you started to try to, I guess, work your way through some of that?
3: Yeah. uh, You know, I wish I could say that it was it was so early and I've gotten all this wisdom because I had so many years to practice. But now (laughs) (laughs) that's never the case. um, yeah. From, from a young age, I struggled with anxiety and depression and I didn't know that's what it was. Yes. Yes. Um, I just felt that I was sad all the time. I just felt sorrow all the time. I felt like there was how you saw on the TV when they would try to depict and, and explain visual of what depression looked like. The cloud, the umbrella, um, everybody. What is it? Um, everybody is sunny around everybody, but then there's a cloud of rain yeah, yeah. on that one yes. person. That's how I felt. That was like such a, that was the first time I ever saw on TV um, an analogy of how I felt. And so um, it took me until I was around 30, 35 um, before I got to a place where I recognized that how I was feeling was not okay and that I needed to go and get some medical intervention. Because up until that point, every once in a while I would say, I just feel like something's wrong with me. But mm-hmm. those people that were around me who also didn't have any type of emotional processing uh, resources or tools, you know, they were used to the tough exterior too. And this yes. is how you're supposed to be in the neighborhood. They would say, girl, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to toughen up. You know, you just, you're wearing your feelings on on your sleeves. You're too sensitive, right? Toughen yeah. up. Yeah. And so that's what I would tell myself. So for years, that's what I told myself. And I was... I was experiencing clinical depression and didn't know that that's what I was experiencing experiencing and in actuality it made sense with my tra- with the tragedies that I had experienced prior yeah. but I didn't know that that's what it was so yeah. I really didn't um go and and get physical help until I was around 35 and I still was ashamed to even tell anybody for about it took a couple months for me to even tell Um, my spouse at the time and, and to tell um, family members because I just felt that I was weak because I had to go and get help. And that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And I love the way that you pointed that out because before back in the day, that's what it was, right? Like life is rough, get tough kind of thing. Right. And mental health was not any kind of topic that you'd have or discuss. And especially like you mentioned earlier, like in the black community, like that just wasn't a thing. So for you to get to the point where it was where you felt okay to be able to start doing that and transition into where you are now, where you're discussing this and you're trying to help others is, is just amazing.
3: Yeah, I really wish that, you know, it, it happens when it's it's supposed to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look back now and, and I just wish that I would have had the support system that I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. But I'm so grateful that I'm able to be that support for somebody else. And I'm able to be that support system for my children and teach them yes. now about therapy and the resources yes. and don't be ashamed, you know, to express really truly to express your feelings. I didn't learn That it was okay to express how I felt. Mm
2: -hmm. Not
3: just feel it on the inside and exhibit it in anger, but actually express the fact that I felt embarrassed, express the fact that I felt humiliated or I felt scared or I felt fear, express that I didn't have that type of an avenue growing up. And so I literally learned that in therapy. I literally had to have a therapist say, Fatima, it's okay to feel. It's Mm -hmm. as if I needed permission because. throughout my entire life up to that point I always felt that I needed to tell myself stop that stop that crying right. stop you know stop feeling that way toughen up you know and I thought I was giving myself a pep talk that was me giving myself a pep talk you're stronger than this you know stop it and um, and in actuality I was hurting myself because I wasn't giving myself the room to get those feelings um, of, a space to release. And they're Mm going to come out, you Mm -hmm. know, but I wasn't bringing them out in a healthy way. So when anything would happen, I would be on simmer. Is how I like to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you never knew which way I was going to go. You never knew what situation was going to make me pop off and be just crazy angry or if it was going to send me into this deep dive of depression. You didn't know I was so unpredictable because all these emotions and feelings that I never got to admit that I was feeling I didn't have an avenue to get them out. Right. I literally had to have a a therapist say, Fatima, it is okay to feel, you know, and and for me, that was just it was such a breakthrough moment for me to be able to have somebody give me that permission.
0: I love that because as we were learning now, as we all move forward and kind of learn and have more access to information, just how essential mental health is and how essential emotional development and emotional expression are. And so I love that you went through the journey to learn that for yourself and you're paying it forward to your children so that they don't have to take the same hardship to get there that you did, that they're able to learn it from a younger age, so that anger is just one of the emotions in their toolbox instead of the only one that they're encouraged and comfortable with expressing. So kudos to you.
3: Yeah. And when you think about it, Abby, I mean, anger is, at least from how I grew up and in the community where I grew up, anger was kind of like idealized. It was accepted.
2: Hmm.
3: Right. But it was everything else, was (laughs) not But but, but if you want to exhibit anger as far as fighting and and throwing stuff, throwing things and swiping stuff, you could do that. Yeah. But in actuality, anger is just unmasked hurt. That's all anger is right. and And we get stuck on the surface feeling, yes, which is aka anger or mad, or yes. I'm pissed off, or I'm heated or however way you want to say it. when if we just would go just a little bit deeper, we'll find so many other emotions that we're feeling mm-hmm. that we just haven't given ourselves the right to express,
0: so then I have a question while we're talking about mental health, and you've told us how you've kind of come to this mental health journey personally. But how did mental health become such an important part of your life academically, professionally and spiritually as well?
3: Yeah, well, it was because I had to teach myself. That this, this was the steps I needed. And these are the steps that I needed to heal myself. Right. Um, I really went through a very, very, very dark, dark, dark space some years ago, where I truly was, I I had the the seemingly I had the job that I, that I said, well, once I get this amount of money, I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. So I had that job. I um the kids were happy. My my husband was happy. Everybody was content. I had the house that I said that I wanted. I had the income. I had the car that was good enough to drive around. Now I'm not in the putt putt, you know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so you know, from all intents and purposes. I'm living good. I'm successful. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that, well, once I get to that place where I can financially uh, help in, in, you know, in such a dynamic way for my family, then all these emotions and all this sadness this sorrow will go away because that must be what it is. Right. I'm, I just don't have enough, you know, and I'm used to struggling for so many years and growing up that way that maybe once I get on the other side, then I'll, I'll be healed. And I realized that that was not the case. And I had all of those things, yet I was thinking about um, putting a bag over my head and suffocating myself. Mm -hmm. And so it was in that space of desperation where is where I leaned on my faith because that's always been central to me, regardless of where I've been in my life, regardless of my mistakes or anything, my faith has always been central. And so I leaned heavily into my faith and I had enough sense to where um, I knew that I had a great, Safe place meaning a group of people that didn't judge me, no matter where I was in my life. And so I leaned on those people, and I leaned on resources and Google, and 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 just whatever I could to find messages about how the brain works and and how I need to take my thoughts captive, and anything that I could grab a hold onto that would stop me from from um, having those suicidal ideations and actually following through. And so that was my journey. And so, what I write about in my book is what I literally lived. And I, I didn't—I didn't have a clue, you know, of what I was doing. I just knew that I didn't want to give in, and mm. and you know, I got fight in my blood, so I wasn't going to give in. And it was through that process that um, I, I went through programs to help me deal with my mess, meaning out um, past the anger level, but getting down to the nitty gritty of humiliation, um, any hurts or hangups that I've had in my life that had um, really, really just piled up by that time. Looking at each individual situation and analyzing it and seeing where I was wrong or where the other person was wrong and then making a conscious decision to release it into the atmosphere and no longer harbor it inside me. So I did all of that work. And once I did all of that work, which was not easy, which was very time consuming, it was uh, very much a uh, breadcrumb type of journey. But once I got to a space where I was much more in a healthier place, that's when I started to journal and write these things out that I experienced, write out my epiphanies, um, just all this stuff. And then it it, and and somehow it, it came. It became a book. I say it was serendipitous and the fact that it was a, a, for, a fortunate accident where all this stuff that I journaled, I was able to look back on and say, well, that's a dang book, <laughs> And then, <laughs> hey, you know? And, and for me, I'm, like I said, I'm very uh, faith-centered and my spirituality is important to me. So for me, I felt that God was leading me there, but I had to go through all of that muck to get there. Mm. And so that was already a part of my destiny. But first, I had to go through a cleansing myself to be able to accept that destiny when I got there. And so I wrote the book. And from there, it was the testimonies that I got from the book. Mm -hmm. And it was the raw feedback that I received from people that had read the book that really opened up the door for me to start having one-on-one conversations and making um, course material and walking people through the same journey that I'd walked through And, and then getting the education on the other side, you know, and just wanting to make sure that You know, even though I've lived it and I have a Ph.D. PhD in the hard knocks of life, I still wanted that education on the on the other side of it, you know, for validity and credibility. But but yeah, so it really took me walking through my own journey, not trying to heal nobody but myself, Hmm. not trying to fix nobody but myself, not trying to figure out the brain, nobody's brain but myself. And in that I found so many jewels you know, it's just like with anything, when you find a great deal and it's just mind-blowing, you're gonna call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right? I and like so the way once that. I had realized that I had so much freedom because I released so much junk out of me mm-hmm. and I felt so much more free. I felt so much more alive. I never thought I would experience anything like that before. I thought I was living before then, but I really wasn't until I got to the other side and I saw that experience that freedom, I wanted to tell everybody. <laughs> so, anybody that would talk to me, I was like, oh my God, I just want to do this G4
0: experience. <laughs> right? I'm just picturing like, you like really in just, the grocery store and like, yeah, you, like someone being like, oh, crying? do you know where to this? this? And you're like, right. oh, actually, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like the lady who's telling everybody about the deal that she wants, uh, some some commercial, she's just telling everybody. Like, that's how I felt. Yes. I just wanted to help everybody because I knew, you know, I experienced healing. And so I wanted to be able to offer that to somebody to help someone else to find that same type of healing, you know, to Mm -hmm. start their own healing journey. And so that's truly what got me into um, the life coaching space.
1: One of the things that I loved that you mentioned earlier is the fact that there was breadcrumbs. It was a slow process. So it's not like a silver bullet. It's time that you have to put in. You're going to learn through that and it takes its time. So after going through this, And having this experience now and just being so full of joy that you got to let it out, even in the grocery store. How have you incorporated (laughs) that into your parenting and raising a group of boys? Because, I mean, besides from stopping them from roughhousing, you must have been doing other things now and starting to incorporate some of this. So what are some of the tips or tricks that you would have for parents Going through this yeah. as well.
0: And before you answer that, I just want to say that um, Fatima also wrote another book. We mentioned her book earlier, <laughs> right, right. but she wrote a book called <laughs> I Said What I Said My Candid Journey to Mothering Four Sons and Remaining Reasonably Sane. So she is a little bit of an expert in this topic that Patrick's asking about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Abby. And it's so true. And so I make a little pun or a joke about the title. But that truly is what it's encompassing in, in that book. It's me raising my boys, and it talks about generational habits. And, you know, of course, there's the funniness in there because it's kids. Yeah. And of course, they do the <laughs> crazy stuff, right? So that goes without saying that it's going to be some cr- crazy stuff in there that you're like, oh my God, either my kid does that or maybe I shouldn't have kids. Like, you don't think do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and that that's there. But there is a good helping of just discussing generational habits and just like what I was talking about, how I grew up and and I grew up with a single mom and in a single mom type of village. And 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 that there was this exterior that was carried and there are these expectations that we had and there was a certain type of discipline that we carried or that was carried to us. And at the time that's all we knew, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it didn't kill us. We're you know we made it. <laughs> yeah. But but now when you think about you know when you think when you think back, there are some things that you say Dang! I mean, I couldn't express my opinion though. You know, <laughs> I couldn't share how I felt. Like, mm-hmm. not even a little bit. It was like talk back, and and I I was just saying that it didn't happen that way. But then that was like you're talking back to me. Like some things were just like, do I really want to pass that to my kids? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Do I really want to do that? I get that it didn't break me, but is that a is that the best practice? Like yeah. now with with my children, yes. right? And so, and, and so it, it dives into some things that I, I picked up as, as a parent that my mom did, and I thought that that was okay, and I take that cutie cutter away, but it didn't work for these kids that I have. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make my own decisions um, through my own personal healing journey, but also through what type of legacy did I want to leave behind, um, what, type of, um, what type of scars that I did not want my children to have. Mm-hmm. And so based on those type of questions that I asked myself, determined how I changed some of the stuff that I had picked up generationally. And one of those big things was therapy. And was talking about emotions and especially with boys and Mm -hmm. black boys and how we, you know, back in my day, a boy was a sissy. He was a punk. If he cried, Mm -hmm. if he Mm -hmm. showed any type of emotion other than rage. Right. And so I don't want my kids feeling that way. I don't want my children thinking that because they are upset about something that happens at school, that the only way they can express it is with their fist. Right. I want them to be able to articulate how they feel and that, no, that doesn't make you a quote unquote sissy. Right. Mm. No, that doesn't make you wimpy or whatever the gen, you know, whatever those stereotypes that we got from our community. Mm. I don't want that. on my children, And so incorporating, um, you know, from the things that I learned about, it's OK to feel for team. It's OK to feel feel your feelings. Well, now I take that tool and I express that to my children. It's okay for you to feel anger. It's okay for you to feel disappointed. We're moving. We're, we're moving and we're going to move into a completely different state and they're losing their friends. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to feel sad, right? Um, but then helping them to walk through those feelings. So that was a major thing that, um, that, a tool that I really felt was, it was critical to me because I don't want to have angry black men. Um that's going to happen, unfortunately, because of how the world treats us. Yes, but I don't want—I don't want that to be—I um, don't want it to be um, fed in the home. Yes, you know, I don't—I don't want it fed in the home. I—I I want my kids to have an outlet to be able to be who they are meant to be, and that's who we all want to be. We want to be who we are meant to be, but there's a lot of junk inside of us that—a side of us that has to get taken out of us in order for us to really get to that place of self-actualization. Well, I want to save my kids that trouble. And so that's like what I talk about, you know, in the book, I talk about my mistakes and the things that I've done, like an example, keeping it real, real. I was telling (laughs) my son, my middle son, and he's the son where He's right on the edge of oh my god you're the best kid ever and say that one more time yes. say that one more time yep. okay? he lives on that line he lives on that line okay and he knows it too <laughs> right? and he knows it yeah <laughs> like right and so we were talking and I was telling him you're so smart and and you know you just you're such an intelligent you know kid and and i j- I just love your brain and he said. Well, but I remember one time you told me I'm as dumb as a doorknob.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and it was during. It was during COVID and we had the, te- and these kids was at home. Yes. And you were
0: a parent and you were
3: a teacher <laughs> and, to, and you were a doctor I and you were a teacher. Right? And I was working and I, and I was like, I send you out to school for a reason. I am not your teacher. <laughs> your teacher get paid to teach. I don't get paid to teach. Yeah. Right. So I was in that mindset. So I had to go through a whole metamorphosis when they were at home and somewhere during that time, he made me mad. And I said, you as dumb as a doorknob. <laughs> Right. But he remembered that. So now I'm coming back months later and I'm saying, oh, my God, you're so intelligent and you're so smart and you're so this. And it didn't mean that I didn't mean it. But he's like, well, how can you tell me that when you just called me dumb? Right. Right. Some months ago that he that stuck with him. Yeah. And so another thing that I, I talk about, I talk about that story in the book and I talk about how I've had to learn to be the type of parent that's not afraid to apologize to her children. Right. Mm, yes. Um because they're just little humans. Yes. And they have feelings too. And they get stressed too in their space. And that doesn't mean that I'm trying to be this whole widen out new age parent because I'm very much an old school parent. <laughs> but there is space in there for learning. And there is space in there for doing things differently. And mm-hmm. I want my children to be able to trust that they can speak their feelings to me, whatever they may be. And we can have a dialogue. I want them to feel that because growing up, I didn't have that. And so when I would nineteen, twenty, thinking <laughs> I'm going to say something, I'm going to say something because I don't live at home now. Yeah. I'm going to speak how I feel. Yeah. Boys slapped to <laughs> the face so quick. And I'm like, but I, but I'm grown. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? Always, yeah. still and, and so, Always still a kid.
1: Always you still a kid. Know, An old school parent yeah. ain't gonna have that at all.
3: It's not gonna happen. <laughs> and so there's there's space for that, right? There is mm-hmm. there's space for the old school way, but I feel there's also space too. To 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 be open minded about the fact that I have an I have intelligent children and I want to be able to feed that intelligence and so some things we need to discuss yeah you know some things some things we just need to talk about some things isn't going to be resolved with the with a, a hit at the back of the head
0: I like that when you're not saying get rid of the way everything used to be it's not essential to throw it all out but keep what worked improve on the things that didn't.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And I had to learn that. I had to make choices. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the old things that I was doing wasn't working. And so it it, it was like, huh, this cookie cutter way isn't working on this kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to find another way. And and that's when I think my parenting really, really started, because I had to learn my children, mm-hmm. right? And then I had to learn that each one is different. And that I can't do what was done to me, which is, like I said earlier, I grew up with boys. I was the only girl, but we were all disciplined and taught the same way. It was majority wins. Well, it was boys and you're
2: <laughs> supposed to be
3: tough on boys, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the same type of hand I got. But for me, that didn't help me. It, that, that, that gave me trauma, you know, that, that some things gave me P, um, PTSD, that my brother's, it probably didn't bother them or it bothered them in a different way. Yeah. So, it, you know, every every child is different. I think it's important to be able to recognize that and and to, and to dis, you know, to, to to structure accordingly, you know, to build them accordingly based on who they individually are.
0: Wow. I feel like you're giving me so much to think about. I'm like thinking about my <laughs> parenting. I'm thinking about how I was parented. I'm thinking about sibling relationships. Like <laughs> you're just cracking yeah. my mind wide open and I love it.
1: <laughs> well, going off that and just, the journey that you've gone through, how is it that you reconcile your past with your present and where you want to be in the future?
3: Wow. What a big question. Um, I think I truly believe, and it's, it's called like psychodynamic, um, like psychotherapy. And that, that means in a nutshell that things from your past, they do impact how you are in your, in your present and, and truly in your future. I really do believe that. And so I don't think that I would be where I am today if I would not have gone through what I went through. But most importantly, if I would not have faced it, meaning at some point in time, I had to stop and, and stand in my mess, stand up in it. And so that meant some things that happened in my life that were traumatic, some things that were tragedies that I didn't process. I had to go back and process that. And so for so much of my time, I did it and my decisions that i were making that i was making was still based on that pain from so long ago a lot m- majority of my decision making had to do with those past situations that i thought i had moved away from i thought that i had grown away from cuz i'm grown now making my own decisions i got a family those things shouldn't be bothering me anymore right but feelings has no expiration you know so all of those things i was carrying on my back and that impacted my present. And so now that I've been able to work through a lot of those things with the caveat that healing is ever evolving and that you're constantly finding things that you still need to heal from or that you didn't realize that you do that. And then you figure out, take the breadcrumbs and go back to see, well, why did, where did I pick up that habit from? So you're, you're constantly working on yourself. But those big, bolder stuff that was in my way causing me to make some horrible decisions and and be in self-victimization mode most of my life, now that I've removed a lot of that out of my way, it has made room for me to be used in such impactful ways for my future, for my present and for my future. So they all go together. It's all linked to me. I don't think that you can truly, truly embrace your present or what is to come for the future, meaning embracing the unknown. I don't really believe that you can truly do that. If you haven't resolved what's going on, what what has happened from your past doesn't mean that you go back and live there, you know, but, but when you shut the door to it, you want to make sure that it's not going to keep flying open. Every time you get into a new situation, you really, really want to be able to say, I've resolved that from my past. I've resolved that if it was a bad breakup, You got, you know, you got left at the altar or two months from the wedding. They canceled. That happened to me. Uh, Death of 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 a child. That happened to me. You know, domestic abuse. That happened to me. Resolving those things. There is agony. There is pain. There is heartbreak associated with those type of events. And so that's something you can't run away from. I definitely had to go back and sit there for a little bit, figure out what that pain was I was feeling, and then made a conscious choice that I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm gonna release it. I'm not gonna allow it to go with me into my future. And that's what I had to do with those big bolder stuff. And so I really do believe that it all correlates, it's all together. There's I just don't believe that there's a way for you to truly, truly embrace your present or even or either what's gonna happen in your future without having, you know, just like a resolve with what has happened in your past.
1: Following up on the, when you're saying you're facing those big, bolder moments, do you yeah. find, especially after you faced a couple of them, do you, do you find it ever gets easier or is the pain still in the difficulty of facing that always still at such a high level?
3: Um, I think you get out of it what you put into it. And so, um, you know, there are some things that you, you may not be able to do by yourself. Like there were some situations that I could go back and journal and, and be able to find resolve by myself. But then there were other things that I needed a therapist to walk with me through that event and help me to understand that it was not my fault and continue to repeat the same things to me until I captured it and was able to live it out. So, you, you know, I, I think that's based on the individual but at the end of the day, it's your life and it's your work. And even though it may not have been you that did the the harm towards you, it is your responsibility to work it out. And that's just the unfairness of life. But that's just how it is. Um, you have to work that stuff out. And so I, I I've been talking kind of surface level. And I and one thing I don't really like to do is is to say just go out there and do it but don't give real solid tools on how to do the, how to do the work. Yeah. I, you know? So as an example, this is what I did. I took a piece of paper and I learned this model from a, from a program called Celebrate Recovery. And so I took a piece of paper and I basically made lines. I think about five lines. I always mix it up where there's five or six. So I'm going to say five <laughs> lines.
1: <laughs> and we so, won't hold you to but, it, don't worry.
3: Thank you. Cause I always mess it up. But, <laughs> but, and so the first thing I wrote, This is in regards to any hurt or hang up. And when I say hurt or hang up, I mean, when you start talking about it, the more you start talking about it, the more you start noticing your blood pressures rising, Mm -hmm. your voice starts elevating, Mm -hmm. you know, now, now you've done talking about it. Everybody's went their separate ways, but it's on your mind and you can't sleep because you brought that conversation up and dang, you just wish you would have never talked about it. That's a hurt or hang up. Okay. Okay. And so with that hurt or hang up, you say, who was the specific person that did this or who was involved? Who was that specific person? What was the specific situation? Don't generalize it where every time we get together, I just can't trust them. What does that even mean? No, this situation happened. Okay, so for me, it would be my father, The the specific situation when I called him and asked him to come to my graduation. And he didn't even get off the phone to even find out if he could come. He just said, no, he can't come. And that was the specific situation. And then I write feeling. How did it make me feel? Well, I felt humiliated. I felt stupid for even thinking about calling him, you know, and, and whatever, whatever, whatever the feeling was, I felt embarrassed. And then what was the damage? Well, the damage is that I made a decision at that time that I would never ask him for anything ever again, and that I would never allow him room in my life. And mm-hmm. so now he's been trying to reconcile and I can't get myself up the nerve to do it because of that thing that happened a long time ago, right? Okay, so that's the damage. And then who was at fault? Well, clearly he was at fault because he was my father and he didn't show up for me, right? Mm-hmm. But I was also at fault because I allowed that seed of resentment to grow in my life. And now I'm 40 some years old and I can't let that go, mm-hmm. right? So I'm responsible for my life. So I'm at fault too because I'm responsible for me, not him. And then now what? now what? Well, Fatima, what do you want now? Okay. You and talked about who it was. You and said what the situation was. You said how it made you feel, how it damaged you, who was at fault. But now what do you want out of all of that? Well, what do I want? I want freedom. I want peace. I want to release this. I want to stop thinking about this every dang time somebody comes around. Right. And that's when the real work begins. That's when you say to your faith, help me to release this pain. That's when you say to yourself, I refuse to allow this to to narrate my life. That's when you decide that I'm going to use this as a platform, but I'm not going to do it in a bitter way. I'm not going to do it in a wagging my finger way. See, I told you I would make it. No, I'm going to do it because I deserve it. And then once you're able to make those decisions, you're released. Mm. When you do that through every hurt and hang up, you'll find so much freedom because the weight of it is gone. And just like if you have a a brick, a backpack full of bricks, think about how heavy that is. And then think about when you let it go. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing. The weight of all that trauma, the weight of all that anger, the weight of all that hurt. Once you release it, it feels weird because you're so used to carrying (laughs) it, but it's the most wonderful thing.
1: There you go. Like great tips that you can actually use. I'm going to try to see if we, if, if I got them down here. So. The first one was like you identify the first column or whatever it is, right? Like you identify what the what the hurt was or what the damage was. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, who? Like the what, the, what the situation is. was? Oh, yes. Who the person? Ah,
1: oh, okay. So, person first, then how yep. you felt.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, what the damage was, or is it who's at fault?
3: Damage. Yeah. Damage. Okay. And the, then
1: who's at then fault. who's at fault? And the who's at fault is looking at all the pieces and like who it affects. Right, like yes. you, like within and without, kind of thing.
3: Yep, in relation to that person.
1: In relation to that person, okay. And then, the now what is that? Is it, did I skip anything or is it?
3: Yeah, now what? So it's okay. the person, right? And only focusing on that person. So if it was a party and somebody says something crazy about your hair weave and you (laughs) already had a problem at the house, but you was trying to make it look nice. And they said, why your hair weave look like that? Okay, it was that person. It wasn't the whole party. Right. 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 Even if everybody else laughed, they get their own piece of paper. Uh. (laughs) Yes. That one person get that person and then that specific situation, because how can you how can you even identify it or even discuss it or even process it if you can't even say what it was? Right. So zooming right. so yeah. Very specific. Yeah. So the person, that specific situation, and then how did that make you feel when that situation right. happened? Right? Did it make you feel like you wanted to jump over the table? Did it make you feel like you wanted to cro- slide under the table? <laughs> how did it make <laughs> you feel? And then how did it damage you? Now you don't even answer the person's phone calls anymore when they call you. You avoid them. You know what is this? What? What has it? How has it changed your behavior? That's what damage is. How has it changed your behavior? And then, yes, who was at fault? Be real about it. And if you was at fault, then ain't nobody gonna see it but you tell the truth.
2: You was (laughs) at fault. (laughs) Right?
3: But then that helps you. That helps you on the now what? If you was at fault, well, now what? Well, you need to fix that. Right? You need to make that right. You need to write a letter or you need to schedule a time for you guys to talk about it and you need to take ownership. Or you, if you can't talk to them anymore, you need to resolve it within yourself and make a decision that you will never be that way for, towards somebody else. But you need to resolve the now what is all about resolving, coming to a resolution that I am choosing to do, make a positive out of this horrible situation. That's what the now what is all about so that you can release all that junk and live the life that you were purpose to live. Lovely.
1: Yeah. So what I get from that is if I'm at fault, then that paper is just a rough copy and we don't need to, keep to talk about that, right? That's, that's what we're saying. Hey,
2: only
3: only you, only you and your make a know the truth.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. That's like that's some, yeah, like Patrick said, great tangible advice that people can use when they're, you know, dealing with generational trauma or dealing with interpersonal conflicts that are happening presently, just so many yeah. different things in our lives. So I also want to say, just sort of As a note to end on, because you've given us so much wisdom and so many tips and so much advice and so many anecdotes, that I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Such
1: great visuals, yeah. Like jump over and grab her weave, like I like. uh, (laughs) Well,
0: I like that. I like. Are you going to jump over the table or slide under it? I really like that. I've I've seen them both. I've seen them both. (laughs) And as we've mentioned, you've written two books, you teach self love courses, you do a million different things. But what's next for
3: Fatima Oliver? Well, shoot! In the immediate future, is moving.
2: <laughs>
3: oh my God, my house is a mess. For those who are listening, it's a hot mess over here. Um, but, but, but really, um, leaning more so into speaking engagements. So, I was able to um, um, be a guest speaker um, at a I'm actually at a church a couple of weeks ago, and it, it was pretty awesome. And so, everything's opening up again now, and mm-hmm. and I have done some some virtual events. So, just really opening up and and getting more out there in regards to, to speaking engagements and, and just really just seeing what comes from that, really opening up myself to all the opportunities that, that are available to me, really.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. We have one more game we'd like to play with you. Yes. But before we move on to our game, did everybody use their word three times?
1: I did. I did. I, I did, did as, as well. well. Okay. okay.
0: Fatima. Whose word would you like to try to guess first? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: Okay, Patrick. Um, Past?
1: No, no, no. That's a good one. No, not bad. Okay, I'm going to try to guess
0: yours too, Patrick. You're going to
1: guess mine. Okay.
0: Uh, well, first I thought silver bullet, but I think these are just one word things, right? Um, ooh. Patrick's word. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough game. It's a tough
1: game. My word was rough.
0: Rough. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Wow.
1: Fatima, was yours release?
0: No. Was yours sorrow? No. Was it space? <laughs> no. Ah, oh, those were my two that
3: I thought they were. What was your word?
1: Weave. Please say it was weave.
3: <laughs> Please say it was table. <laughs> no, it was constant. Oh, okay. oh nice.
1: All right.
2: I and, said
3: that in the beginning a couple of times. <laughs> you, no, you got it out of the way. I wanted to get out
1: of Abby. Yeesh. I wanted to say parenting. Nope. Okay. Well, okay. well then, I have no oh. other clue. Fatima's going to nail it here, though. So. Uh, so
3: it. <laughs> no pressure. Um, <laughs>
0: I'm gonna say future. Good guess. My word was essential.
1: Okay.
3: Oh wow. (gasps) I don't even remember you saying that word.
1: that's the thing you look back and you're like wait a minute
0: you're like, mm-hmm. yeah but I think wow, that, that teaches me word. is that we all did really well with our words we worked them in seamlessly so that nobody was like wait a second
3: right they learned that word today they're trying to use it right we're <laughs>
0: totally gonna end up with words where I'm like hold on I just need to google the definition and then we can play
2: Right. <laughs>
0: Our final game of the day before we let you continue on with getting ready yeah. for moving. It's called Scars or Lemonade. So the way this game works is we are going to name a word or a phrase. And you're going to tell us whether it's something that's a scar or a lemonade. So it's something that's not super positive or you don't think of it. Or something that you think of more negatively or not in a positive light. Or lemonade, yeah. something you enjoy and that you are happy about.
3: So okay. the first
0: is rainy days. Uh, Scar. Next up, we have sunny days. Lemonade. (laughs) Childhood.
3: Mm,
0: Okay, scars. Being an adult.
3: Lemonade, scars slash lemonade. (laughs) You can pick scars,
0: you can pick lemonade, or because this is our podcast, you can pick scars and lemonade. Yeah, scars and
1: lemonade. I like that, nice plug.
0: (laughs) Being an adult.
3: Lemonade. Dogs. Lemonade. Cats. Scar. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. That's the right
2: answer.
0: Trying a new activity or something new for the first time. Lemonade. The words I can't.
3: Well, the way that I look at them, I don't like to say that word. I don't like to say that. So I guess that would be a negative because I don't like to say I can't.
0: Okay. Winter.
3: uh scars spring lemonade summer lemonade fall lemonade
0: dancing lemonade <laughs> singing lemonade
3: lemonade, lemonade, <laughs>
0: lemonade. <laughs> um listening to music
3: oh for sure lemonade
0: writing a book
3: lemonade
1: what about editing a book
3: uh scars.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, Reading. Uh Lemonade. Twitter. Ugh,
0: scars. <laughs> Instagram.
3: I mean, you gotta do it. So scars slash lemonade. Yep. Yeah. And Facebook. I'll say lemonade because that's where our, our, you know, that's where the old people go and we just chat.
0: (laughs) Okay. Those are all of our options. So now we're going to put them up against each other. I'm going to go through your scars and you pick which one you prefer between the two pairs that I'll give you and we'll give you your ultimate scar and your ultimate lemonade. Okay. And then, so your scars list first, what do you dislike more rainy days or childhood? Huh. I know they came up as a weird
3: pair. <laughs> uh, uh I, I guess I gotta say my childhood Okay.
0: cats or winter cats. <laughs>
3: Once again, the right
0: answer. Editing a book or the words I can't. I can't. Twitter or Instagram.
3: The, which one I hate worse? Yeah, Twitter.
0: <laughs> okay, let's move into your lemonade list. Sunny days or reading, which do you prefer?
3: Hmm, sunny days.
0: Being an adult or, or dogs.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: dogs. Um, writing or trying something new. Mm, writing. Bring or singing. Singing. Listening to music or summer. Listening to music. And this is going to be a three-way, a three-way option. We've got fall. Dancing or Facebook, which of those do you like best? Fall. Okay.
1: Oh, I thought dancing was going to edge you out there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. All right. Back to the scars list: childhood or cats? Which do you prefer less? Which is your ska- a bigger scar?
3: Childhood.
0: Thought you are going to go with cats based on how quickly you answered yeah, them. I, mean, I answered don't the care for them. I don't care for them. But you know.
1: And no one should. Like, you
3: don't bother me. You don't bother me. I don't bother you. <laughs>
0: The words I can't, or Twitter. Ugh, the worse, I can't. Okay. And now back to the lemonade list. Sunny days or dogs. Sunny days.
1: Oh, she didn't want to do it. <laughs> 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 <I know. laughs>
0: Writing a book or singing. Ooh, that's a tricky one.
3: Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, I guess I'll say that's a hard one
1: mm-hmm. you got an album uh, dropping
3: no no not at all uh okay i'm gonna say writing no i just love to to sing worship okay that's my thing so you're but, picking. Sing, but i'm saying writing
0: i'm saying writing That's more and do you prefer listening to music or fall listening to music Okay, and now we're getting into the final <laughs> round. The ultimate <laughs> scar, the ultimate lemonade. We've got childhood versus the phrase, I can't.
1: Oh, uh, this is a tough one. This is going to be a tough one. I can't. Okay.
0: Hey. And uh, back to the lemonade ultimate writing a book or listening to music? Listening to music. Okay, ding, 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 ding. The results are in. On Scars, we have the words, I can't. And Lemonade, we have listening to music. Thanks for playing that game with
2: us.
3: (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes, a funny story. I actually did a a race. I did, um, I used to love to do the mud races. But after a while, people didn't want to do them with me anymore. So I just, the last one I did was a couple of years ago. um, And I had to do it by myself. So because nobody would do it with me, but I, I refused to not do it. And I had a shirt that said I had written on it. Don't tell me what I can't do.
2: <laughs> so, so
3: when it was one of the toughest obstacles, the guy read my shirt and he was like, don't make me tell you you can't. Don't make me tell you you
2: can't. And I was like, you can't tell me. <laughs>
3: Gave me some extra energy because I didn't want him to tell me that I can't do it. So, yeah. I don't like people to tell me what I can't do. Well,
0: I am going to tell you that you can come back anytime you like. This was awesome. Oh,
3: thank you so much, Abby.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and just being open and honest and having some fun with us. We really appreciate that.
3: No, I appreciate the invite, Patrick. This was very nice. And absolutely, whenever you guys want me to come on and just let me know.
0: Thank you so much. Good luck with your move. Thank you. Well,
1: yeah. Wow. That's all I can say right now. Wow.
0: Yeah. I have so many takeaways. Um, The entire episode, I guess, is my takeaway. Cannot be my takeaway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What I love about how we wrapped up this episode Mm -hmm. is that Fatima gave us tangible advice. There's takeaways there that we can actually use and apply. Mm -hmm. But she gave us her steps and her process that she uses to work through some trauma that comes up. So I think we're now starting to get that collection where we do our takeaways at the end and we kind of highlight some of the things mm-hmm. we feel are important. I'm sure our listeners do that as well as they're going through and listening. And now though, we're starting to get into that spot where we're able to be pulling some tangible advice and we'll share it on social and our website where you don't have to remember everything off the bat. You can come back and can look at it and we'll have something there for people because I, I think it's beneficial.
0: Oh, absolutely. Every guest we've had so far has been really good about sharing what's helped them in their own personal journeys. And because that's, I think I may have said this before too, but there's so much to do with what's deeply personal and specific, but actually ends up being universal. So there's something that we can take away from everyone's story, whether every single plot point sounds familiar or something that's completely foreign to you, there's always something to take away. And what I really liked um, about Fatima's advice this time. Well, we went over it and over it, but I just want to highlight that process again that she talked about for releasing hurt. So sitting down, making a list for yourself, who was involved? What was the specific situation? How did it make you feel? What was the damage? Who was at fault? And what do you want out of it now? That's something I'm definitely going to be doing because sometimes I can be petty and I like to hold a grudge. <laughs> but it's important to realize that sometimes I'm also at fault. And I really like that she said that. When you realize you're the one who's at fault, make it right.
1: I really love that we're going to be writing this down because even as you said them back to me, it was hard for me to keep track.
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm definitely going to need a hard copy resource that I can pull up and I can take a look at. One of the things that stood out for me, and it was, it was a line, and I don't know why this kind of stuck with me, but at one point she was mentioning that, I think she, when she was talking about uh, her the relationship she had with her dad. Okay. But when she was talking about how anger essentially is just unmasked fear, right? Yes. Or unmasked hurt. Like yes. there's some reason there why you're acting the way that you are or reacting the mm-hmm. way that you are, right? So that was that was a big one for me is to, you see the behavior and a lot of times we react to the immediate behavior but it's being able to take a step back then and take a look at what's underneath and whether it's something that you're doing or the way someone else around you is reacting. What is causing that? And is there a way that you could address that issue without getting all wrapped up and caught up in immediate anger reaction?
0: Yes. And segueing off of that too, I really liked her parenting advice about parenting the kids that you have, as opposed to parenting the way that you were parented. If it doesn't work for the children that you have, parenting for what you think your kids should be or what you think parenting should be, parent the kids that you have. And you can take what worked from what worked for them from the way you were raised and leave the rest behind, add in new things. But it's important to parent to the specific child who you are parenting.
1: Yeah. And I guess lastly for me, like the biggest thing that I got out of this episode as a whole, and once again, we've started these conversations, so you're seeing it more and more, but it kind of just really highlighted it when she took the time to say things have changed so much over the years as far as acceptance of mental health, different yes. parenting styles. Yes. Especially when you start to look at minorities or immigrant culture but just mm-hmm. in general mental health has become an issue where you can actually talk about it in the open more and more yes. whereas that was never the case and basically the advice I always given was you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing right like
0: yeah. yeah yeah so um I also really had a good time playing the game scars or lemonade <laughs> <laughs> I really like playing games with our guests that's a highlight for me every episode
1: well, she was amazing for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, right she was of, really quick. And right? everybody's so, been so, I was going to say everybody's been so game to play games, but everybody's been so like up for it and just like willing to participate. There's just been such a spirit of generosity and candor and fun to each episode.
1: Well, that's what I can really appreciate this this far in. what, like you mentioned earlier, like our fourth episode in, and we haven't come across anyone that didn't want to like have that, That aspect of fun and joy Mm -hmm. into their story like they're willing to do that and just kind of shows they're at that point where scars to lemonade isn't just a cool podcast title it's something that they're actually living
0: yes because we all have scars and we've all found ways to make lemonade out of different things but it's important to learn from each other and to listen from each other but also to just to share joy with each other too when we can
1: Hey, I think you said it perfectly right there. So once again, thank you for listening to Scars and Lemonade. We really enjoyed uh, having you guys come on this journey here with us. And once again, if there's someone that you know that you think would benefit from uh, from this episode, please pass it on and please also pass on the piece that Abby mentioned at the start of the episode where there are some materials that may be triggering for some people.
0: But also because we didn't touch on this yet because nobody's heard the bonus content that we have for the questions that we've asked people I cannot wait for everybody to hear Fatima's answers (laughs) to our bonus questions so stay tuned for that as well have a good week everyone bye Scars and Lemonade is created and produced within Treaty 1 territory on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg Cree Oji Cree Dakota and Dene Peoples and on the national homeland of the Red River Métis. Music for Scars and Lemonade is written, produced, and created by Evan Dysart.